Welcome back to Tripping Through the Decades with Hafare. This is on Surviving Nairobi Extra. The past two episodes, if you've listened, uh, from the 60s and 70s. And now we're going to tackle the 80s. My favorite songs and what they mean to me. Uh, the 80s truly are like my first experience with music. My dad um, was lucky enough when he was, before, when I was just a glint in his eye, before I was even in the picture, he was lucky enough to go study abroad. And he was exposed to so much music and so many things. So when he came back to Kenya to start a life and all that, he carried um, a briefcase full of these tiny little cassette tapes that we would play in the car all the time. Because that was my first, like, you just get bored, you'd pick a tape, listen to it, and there was so much good music that was on there. And that was truly my first experience, my first interaction with a broad catalog of musicians outside what we play on radio because this was like um late 90s maybe late 90s um to the early 2000s but mainly the late 90s that's what i remember mainly listening to this stuff on the radio um yeah in the car and at home and everything so about that here's our first song this is um i wonder if i take you home by lisa lisa and karcha I wonder if I take you home by Lisa Lisa and Cult Jam. This initially came out in 1985. I remember this song distinctly was on an unmarked tape. My dad just had like random, just wrote random songs on the tape cover. This and uh, some other songs like I'm Walking on Memphis and some other shit. But I remember this song distinctly. I used to play a lot because that so catchy. You always remember it. And I didn't actually know who sang the song until years, years later. I listened to this on an... I listened to the <coughs> to the instrumental on an Action Bronson tape. He was rapping over 80 songs in one song called The Contemporary Man. It's a really dope song. You should go check it out. It's on Blue, Blue Chips 2 by Action Bronson. 
But then I had the instrumental and then like it took me all the way back, all those years back to that small Toyota Corolla sitting in the front seat listening to the music. And then I went back and like looked for it, found it and I loved it. And then I I decided to look more into the group, um, who Lisa Lisa was, Cult Jab. Lisa Lisa is like one of the first Latina icons. She's up there with um Selena, but she doesn't uh, get the same level of recognition but still respected. Fun fact, if you watch Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, the character in Battle Tendency, Lisa Lisa, is named after Lisa Lisa. Araki likes to play around with the musicians' names and everything. So yeah, that was that. We're about to get into another to the second song actually. For all the songs that we used to listen to in my dad's little Toyota, this was the most popular one. A lot of you don't know this artist because I feel like she didn't transition well into the 90s. But um, in the 80s, she was a really big hit. She was up there with um, Paula Abdul and everything. So this is Sheena Easton with um, 9 to 5, a.k.a. Morning Train. That was um, 9 to 5, a.k.a. Morning Train by Sheena Easton. Sheena Easton was a British artist, still is. She still makes music. She had a lot of crossover success in the 80s. This song actually came out in 1980 was, and was one of the number one records in both the US and the UK. That's, a, that's probably a rare feat, actually. And this song, it, I relate to it so much because... I used to play it everywhere when I was a little, like, I was in class three, class four. I would just, like, come home, put that tape in our little, like, radio, and just dance around the house. There are so many other songs on that album, but I remember this one distinctly. And it's one that I've never actually forgotten. It just takes me back to childhood. It means a lot to me. Every time I listen to it, I'm like, yeah, I, I remember now, like, growing up in Rungai and listening to the music the smell of dust running home after class, all that shit. So yeah, 
it holds a special place in my heart and also here's the second here's the third song in our countdown this one's a little weird because it wasn't as popular in the 80s especially in the western world but it has gained a significant resurgence in like um the past few years it's actually the cornerstone of um future funk the japanese um revitalization of 70 city pop and 80 city pop so this is plastic love by maria takeuchi Plastic Love by Maria Takeuchi came out in 1984. This is um when I say this is the Future Funk cornerstone, this is the building block of Future Funk. This song has so many dope remixes especially by um Night Tempo. Future Funk for those who don't know is um Japanese remixing of old songs new producers especially house, techno and dance producers and DJs take old songs and put a modern spin to them, more electric feel, thumping, dancing. This I'm with um I think Maria Takeuchi, Miki Matsu, Miki Matsubara, Tatsuya Mashita who I mentioned in the 60s episode and a host of other artists are uh, like the main artists who are targeted with this remixing in the future funk and anime wave a scene and it's so much fun to listen to because it's so left field people do absolutely anything just to do like let's just push the boundaries of what we can do as a song as a producer some of it might not be for everyone but it is a really dope um scene to check out if you want to and i'm sure you'll find one or two gems that you would like uh, especially uh, on my recommendation i would recommend um Mikazuki Big Wave they are on uh, SoundCloud if you want to get into the future funk scene they're really dope they had a really um, they had a really dope album called Yume Girl or Yume Diary sometime in 2018 anyway that's enough about that it's time for us to 
move on to the next song, number four. Um, this is, I know a lot of you might recognize the artist. Uh, I did a very nice cover of Night Nurse with Sly and Robbie back in the days. But this is, I think, the second single or the first single by the group. Uh, hold on. This is Holding Back the Years by Simply Red. Holding Back the Years by uh, Simply Red. Simply Red are a band named after the lead singer. I forgot his name because he had red hair or ginger hair. But they're some, they make some of the most soulful music you would ever listen to. And I know soul is primarily regarded as a black genre of music dominated by black people. But some of the best soul artists in history have been white people. And it just shows how much like you don't put yourself in a box. I love their music. I love Simply Red. Again, I recommend um, Simply Red's cover of Night Nurse. You know Gregory Isaac's Night Nurse. That was they did with Sly and Robbie, the legendary um, reggae dancehall producer duo. It slaps and f- it is a timeless song. In fact, stop what you're doing, stop listening to this, and just go listen to that, and then come back, and you'll understand why I said that. Yeah, we need more Simply Red in our lives. It's time for song number five. Um, this is a song that uh, encapsulates the feeling of the time, especially in Kenya and Nairobi, not going on. This is Fuck the Police by NWA. Right about now, NWA court is in full effect. Judge Dre residing. In the case of NWA versus the police department, prosecuting attorneys are MC Red, Ice Cube, and Easy Motherfucking E. Order, order, order. Ice Cube, take the motherfucking stand. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help your black ass? You goddamn right. But won't you tell everybody what the fuck you gotta say? Fuck the police coming straight from the underground. A young nigga got it bad cause I'm brown. And not the other color, so police think they have the authority. 
authority to kill a minority. Fuck that shit, cause I ain't the one for a punk motherfucker with a badge and a gun to be beaten on. And thrown in jail, we can go toe to toe in the middle of a cell. Fucking with me, cause I'm a teenager with a little bit of gold and a pager. Searching my car, looking for the product. Thinking every nigga is selling narcotics. You rather see me in the pen than me and Lorenzo rolling in a benzo. Be the police out of shape, and when I finish, bring the yellow tape to tape off the scene of the slaughter. Still getting swallowed up bread and water. I don't know if they fags or what. Such a nigga down and grabbing his nuts. And on the other hand, without a gun, it can't get none. But don't let it be a black and a white one. Cause they'll slam you down to the street top. Black police showing out for the white cop. Will swarm on any motherfucker in a blue uniform. Just cause I'm from the CPT, pump police are afraid of me. Huh? A young nigga on the war path. And when I finish, it's gonna be a bloodbath. That was Fuck the Police by the NWA. The legendary Dr. Dre, legendary Ice Cube, and you know everyone else, MC Ren, Easy E, uh, DJ Yella, the whole crew. I'm sure you've watched where I've come from the movie. This song, when we, when we decide, when we finally eat the rich <laughs> and run into the streets, we, we have to play this song everywhere because, you know, black people always have this distrust of um, police, even if it's black police, especially like they just exist to maintain the status quo. They're basically bodyguards to rich people and actual rich people. So what I do, the police have never been on your side, I think. Most of the police are just there to put you down, oppress you, and make sure you never you never leave the space you are in. But anyway, that's enough um, social commentary for now. Let's go on to something a bit different. And before I go, I'd just like to point out that the first hip-hop song came out in, like, the first hip-hop recording, record, like, what one was the manga? It came out in 1978. Maybe people were rapping before that, but the first actual hip-hop record to be released and sold came out in 1978. And Fuck the Police came out in 1985. And the stylistic um, differences in production, in the way they speak, in the way they talk, and in the content that they're rapping about is so different. shows how quickly hip-hop has grown from 1978 to even 2020 right now to being the biggest genre in the world. If you check um, the Billboard Hot 100 today, the top 10 are all hip-hop songs or hip-hop-inspired songs. So, yeah, you could clearly see how quickly it was growing at that point. Even six years in as a genre, it had reached a higher level of, you know, sophistication. But that's that. Here's song number seven. This is by The Clash. Rock the Casper.
um, Rock the Casbah by the Clash. I like this song. It's not the most famous song. It's not the most popular song. And this song actually came out at the end of their like dominant period as a band because this song came out in what eighty five? I think in eighty five. And the no 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 was it eighty two? Yeah, probably eighty two. It came out near the end of their dominant run as a big band because I feel like in nineteen eighty they had released Sandinista their album. In nineteen seventy nine they released like their most famous album. Um, London Calling, a lot of you might know more of their music from that. But Rock the Casbah is like that last hot hour before you go out. Your last big thing, you know. Bef- to make sure people remember you by and it's such a... It makes no sense to me because it's about a Casbah that's... Right, it turns out it's like a building in the Middle East and people are bombing. The song makes no sense to me. The video makes no sense to me. Like, if I think about it, but I love the song. It has so much hype. It is so dope. And like, if you wake up in the morning and listen to this, I, I assure you'll have a good day. Also, there is a s- movie called Rock the Casbah that has uh, Bill Murray in it. And it is not good. Do not watch it. Listen to this song instead. So, yeah. So, after that... Damn. <laughs> we are going to our next song. I think this is song number seven. This is uh, I No Joke by Eric B. and Rakim. I used to let the mic smoke, now I slam it when I'm done and make sure it's broke. When I'm gone, no one gets on, cause I won't let nobody press up and mess up the scene I set. I like to stand in a crowd and watch the people wonder, damn, but think about it, then you understand. I'm just an addict, addicted to music, maybe it's a habit, I gotta use it. Even if it's jazz or the quiet storm, I hook a beat up, convert it into hip-hop form. Write a rhyme in graffiti and every show you see me in deep concentration, cause I'm no comedian. Jokers are wild, if you wanna be tame, I treat you like a child then you're gonna be named another enemy not even a friend of me cause you'll get fried in the end when you pretend to be competing cause I just put your mind on pause and I complete when you compare my rhyme with yours I wake you up and as I stare in your face you seem stunned remember me the one you got your idea from but soon you start to suffer the tuna get rougher when you start to stutter that's when you had enough of fighting it'll make you choke you can't provoke you can't cope you should have broke because I ain't no joke joke As serious as cancer Who can keep the average dancer Hyper as a heart attack Nobody's smiling Cause you're expressing The line that I'm styling This is what we all sit down to write You can't make it So you're taking home Breaking and bite Use pieces and bits Of all my hip hop hits Get the style down Packed in It's time to switch Put my tape on pause And add some more to yours Then you That was I No Joke By Eric B. and Rakim Released in 1987 and a lot of people consider Rakim the god MC because he was the first true artist to the true rapper to start the multi-syllabic style of rapping where you're like you're constantly rhyming you care about the patterns you use um the words you choose everything the flow the beat everything because before rappers are just like you know 80s rapidly rap stuff yo check me out I'm doing this on a beat like that type of shit but he actually broke it down into a more technical art form that until today people still rap like him it's been what over like almost 30 years now 
33 years since he did this he was the first person to do this and the influence is still being felt nobody ha- there has not been a stylistic shift this large in hip hop since the beginning he changed the game completely for everyone i remember listening i listened to this album both uh, this album and elmatic both at the same time and you could tell that whatever nas was saying was actually a more refined version of what um rakim was doing so nas's style is just like a better st- version of rakim's style and uh, yeah this is one of the mo- this is one of the most seminal hip hop songs and albums this is um, i no joke that was on paid in full a dope dope album and you can see this is eric b and rakim rakim is the rapper and eric b is the dj so and they both like back in the day you had there was a rapper and a dj because if you remember down the fresh prince and dj jazzy jeff they were do it was like a thing back in the day the dj was just as important as the rapper and yeah and that's that on that and i'm about to get you into the next song um this song is by one of the biggest bands of all time and um in the like thriller is the biggest selling album of all time but after that this album is named after this song uh this is back in black by acdc ACDC Back in Black as I said is the second biggest selling album of all time the only album that sold more than it is Thriller and this song it rep- to me it represents rebirth because uh the lead singer on this song didn't start out with the band he joined after the main lead singer Bon Scott I think was his name passed away because of um alcohol related issues and at some point the band actually wanted to disband before the lead singer now Brian Johnson joined and like this is like we are not done yet we still got a long way to go but it's gonna a lot in the tank and this was a punch that everybody felt this song really was a hit 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 because even before thriller because the song came out in like 1980 so before thriller came out it was the biggest selling album of all time period 
I'd earn from an Australian band that isn't even American to, to reach that after their lead singer had died and they had gone through so much and they had even considered quitting. For them to come back to hit like this, that's something you probably won't see again. And now, speaking of Thriller, our next songs, next one come from that album. This is uh, one of my favorite Michael Jackson songs. Um, one of the most sampled songs of all time. This is Human Nature by Michael Jackson. Human Nature by Michael Jackson of the Thriller album, biggest selling album of all time, period. Um, 80 million copies sold, which is insane. That's more more copies than there are people in Kenya. And in my dad's little briefcase of little cassette tapes, album, I remember this and Off the Wall were right next to each other in arrangement. So I would listen to Off the Wall that came out before this, and then I would listen to Thriller. And I still believe that there has never been like a better producer and artist combination like Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson. Everything they touched turned to gold. Everything Quincy Jones made for Michael Jackson was amazing. Like Quincy Jones is just as responsible as Michael Jackson in Michael Jackson becoming the star that he was. He knew the perfect songs, the perfect beats, the perfect melodies for Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was just talented enough to knock it out of the park. My favorite Michael Jackson moment actually isn't a musical one. He was um, he was featured as a guest on an episode of season three of The Simpsons, one of my favorite shows, where Homer goes to a goes to a mental asylum and meets this like this really big guy there, mental patient that sings really well. And Michael Jackson didn't want to be credited as Michael Jackson because he didn't want people knowing that he was on the show, that he was a fan. He didn't want people associating that with him. This is like in 1992, maybe. And it's so dope that when the episode aired, guys were like, is this Michael Jackson? Is this, is this not Michael Jackson? Until like all these years later that people confirmed it was. But if you listen to him singing, you would know it was him. Yeah, so that's that. 
Now, the next song exists on the same spectrum as Michael Jackson, but on the other side. While Michael Jackson was this family-friendly character that parents in the 80s could like, relate to and said, like, yo, this is our kid's favorite artist. This artist existed on the other side. He was brash. He was daring. He was hypersexual. He was not afraid to be who he was. So yeah, this is Little Red Corvette by Prince. I guess I should know By the way you popped your car sideways I don't wouldn't last Cause you're the kind of person and making out want love them and leave them fast. I guess I must be done. She had a pocket full of horses, children, and some of them used. But it was Saturday night. I guess that makes it alright. You see, what have I got to lose? one of those artists like everybody likes Prince everybody who's listened to Prince likes Prince but funny enough he didn't like cross over and succeed in Kenya as much because I honestly because I think in the 80s people were too conservative and in the early 90s like Kenya is still a conservative country but we're shedding that a bit but back in the day they were so conservative and Prince's image the way he carried himself the way he presented himself in public was a shock to most people and remember in the 80s a radio wasn't as common as you would assume it is. A television was even much less common. So um, Michael Jackson's music was more acceptable as compared to um, Prince's music. But Prince is just on the same level as an art of artistry as Michael Jackson. And um, again, I would like to say, just as Michael Jackson, he did pass away, I think, a few years back, 2016. And um, the outpouring of love and support and everything that I noticed was amazing. And uh, that was that about Prince. Listen to more Prince, by the way. He has a lot of dope music that a lot of people don't know about. Because um, there's this... Um, what's this song called? Could you be... The, the most beautiful girl in the world, yes. They played a lot on classic and people don't actually know it's Prince. But listen to a lot of his music. He is dope as hell. So, on to the second last song for the 80s. This is... A song by one of my favorite singers on my Mount Rushmore of singers. She has to be there. Well, it's debatable sometimes. Maybe she could be, she couldn't be. But this is Saving All My Love For You 
bei Whitney Houston. Saving All My Love For You by Whitney Houston. And actually, this song is a cover. A lot of people don't know that. This song is a cover by, um, the original song was in 76 by Billy Davis Jr. This song came out in 85. And it was released as a B-side to How Will I Know. You know, How Will I Know, the, the big club banger anthem. So, like, back in the day, for those people who don't know, they used to press records and sell them. So a record had an A-side that was the main single and a B-side, a single that was attached to the just to promote it. So that people, when somebody flips over the record of Razor and there's a new song there. So this was the B-side to How Will I Know and I feel like it is a better song than How Will I Know. How Will I Know is so... It, it was so 80s. How can I say it? It's just so dancey and poppy and whatever. It was made to, like, to go viral and top charts and everything is clearly a pop song for the ages but this is more of like showing what Whitney Houston could do uh, lyrically like musically her range and it's funny how like after after her passing unfortunate passing I think it was in 2011 I think I'm not really sure but people remember Whitney Houston based on like her future life her later life um, all the drug issues and rehab and everything Whitney Houston is a talent for the ages, absolutely a talent for the ages. She could sing her ass off, and she has some of the most amazing songs of all time. And this is just my favorite of them all. Uh, doesn't mean I like I don't rate the other ones, but this of all her songs, and I love almost all of them. This is the best one. And um, to close out the eighties, this is my favorite song of the eighties by Lisa Stansfield. This is um all around the world. I don't know where my baby is, but I'll find him somewhere, somehow. I've got to let him know how much I care. I'll never give up looking for my baby. Been around the world and I, I, I. 
Stansfield. This song is popular. It's quite popular. Kiss plays, no, not Kiss Classic played all the fucking time, and I love it. Um, I first heard this song. If you are old enough to remember, there was a time that KTN used to have um, every day they used to have a themed music show. Like Monday would be this, maybe hip hop. Tuesday would be like um, maybe African music. Wednesday would be soul, reggae. They used to have it every day, and. It used to come before the cartoons, and I hated it. So I just sit there, listen to the music for half an hour, and just wait for a cartoon for the cartoons to start. And I listened to this song. This was the last song on an episode. I remember vividly. It was the last song on one of those episodes. And then the cartoon immediately after was um where in the world is Carmen San Diego, <laughs> and this song is called All Around the World. And it it took me so many years to realize how ironic all that is. So yeah, every time I listen to this song and I've listened to this song a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. I always picture Carmen San Diego in my mind and it takes me back to that little that little evening after school just chilling there. Plus this song is amazing and it randomly pops up in my life just as I'm walking around I'll be like like put a YouTube playlist and then bam, there it is. I'll be in a matatu there playing a soul mix. There it is. It just it always follows me and I feel like it's just hovering around me like a drone. So yeah. That is actually my favorite song from the 80s and we close out the 80s with that um as uh, we go forward we'll, things will get more personal these songs have more of a connection to me they're just songs i like but there's a reason that i like them so um in the next episode we'll be covering the 90s so yeah catch you on the flip side <laughs> 